Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 539 with Jacob Morgan. Jacob is discussing what we need to learn and grow and do to succeed in the future. So you'll learn one, how professionals must change, two, the five skill sets of future leaders, and three, the surprising weakness of present day leaders. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you can find them over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep539. Now here's Jacob's story. Jacob Morgan is a four-time best-selling author, speaker, and futurist. His new book, The Future Leader, looks at the skills and mindsets people need to have if they wish to be successful leaders over the next decade and beyond. He's also the founder of the Future of Work University and can be reached at thefutureorganization.com. I really appreciate Jacob spending some time with us and I really appreciate our sponsors. Check them out. And big thanks to our sponsor, Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. NerdWallet.com, whom I love on these sorts of matters, gives Acorns a whopping 4.7 stars and says, quote, if you want to make the most of your spare change, there's no better place to do that than Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash awesome or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today and we got a legal disclaimer here it may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provided compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com awesome investing involves risk including the loss of principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns as fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member at finra slash sipc for more information visit acorns.com now, here's Jacob. Jacob, welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I'm so intrigued about much of your work. You study the future of work a whole lot. And maybe to kick it off, could you share, what do you think is one of the wildest predictions you've encountered about the future of work that you think actually might come true? You know, it's tough because there have been a lot of predictions that have been made. Um, and I'm, I'm sure some of your listeners have heard of these, right? One of the predictions is that we're not going to have any jobs in the future. And it's sort of going to be like an episode from The Walking Dead. We're all going to walk around with pitchforks and shotguns. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm more of an optimist. So I the prediction that I believe is that there will be some disruption with technology and automation and all these things that we're starting to see happen. But I think we're also going to create a lot of new jobs. We're going to focus more on the creative aspect of work. So I'm an optimist. That's kind of the prediction that I believe in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so I want to hear a lot about your research. So you you went ahead and interviewed 140 CEOs trying to learn what's the future leader look, sound, feel like. Can you share with us a bit about your research and some of the most striking discoveries you made there? Sure. One of the things that I wanted to understand and why I even wrote this book is because I started to get a lot of questions from people, not on present day leadership, but on what's coming in the future. And to use a famous quote from Wayne Gretzky, he always used to say, I skate to where the puck is going, not to where it's been. And so I kept getting these questions. Hey, Jacob, you know, we get it. Like we understand where we are now. What should we be prepared for in the future? What's coming in the next 10 years? What should we be training uh, our employees on? What kind of leaders should we be focusing on creating? 
And I had my ideas, as I'm sure everyone has ideas on this, but I wasn't really able to find any concrete data and research on this. And so I decided to go out and create it myself. And it was really cool because basically I got to grill all of these people for around 45 to 60 minutes. And I asked them about skills and mindsets and challenges, all sorts of different things. And so that was the first aspect of the research. The second part of this was I teamed up with LinkedIn and they were very gracious enough to to partner with me on this. And we surveyed almost 14,000 employees around the world to see how the perspectives of the workforce align with the insights that these world's top CEOs are telling me. And that is basically the, the background about the research. So let me stop there and see if you have any questions, and then I can share some of the things that I learned. Oh, yeah, I hear it, how you did it. So what'd you learn? So there are a couple interesting things that I learned. So the first is what are the most important skills and mindsets that we need to possess? And by the way, the the focus is all around the future leader, but we need to remember that anybody can be a leader, even if you're a leader of yourself, right? You're still a leader in some capacity. So this doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be managing people. These are just skills and mindsets that anybody needs to possess. So the number one a mindset that these CEOs identified as being most relevant uh, in the future is, well, there there were two of them that were very, very close, neck and neck. The first one was the mindset of the explorer. And the explorer includes things like curiosity. It includes things like um, being a perpetual or lifelong learner. Uh, things like being able to be agile and nimble in your thinking. And the second mindset, which was most crucial, was the mindset of the chef. And the mindset of the chef is about balancing ingredients. And the two ingredients that leaders of the future need to balance are being purpose-driven and caring and technology. So how do you balance these two components of wanting to use technology, automation, artificial intelligence to be productive and efficient, but at the same time, balancing the ingredient of making sure that the organization stays human, that you are still focused on a greater purpose, that you actually care about your people. So those were the two biggest mindsets. Now, there were were others in there. Um, I talk about the mindset of the servant, the mindset of the global citizen or two others, um, and just to give one sentence about each one of those. The mindset of the servant is about believing that as a leader, your job is to help make other people more successful than you. And the mindset of the global citizen is about embracing and actively seeking out diversity. And it is about thinking big picture, thinking globally, not just paying attention to what's right in front of you. So those are some of the most crucial mindsets that future leaders, that we as individuals need to have if we want to be successful over the next 10 years and beyond. Uh, then I also talked about skills, which you know we can get into if you want. Maybe let's hear about the opposite of those things, because I mean, that sounds like it'd be great to do some exploring, it'd be great to be you know mixing some important ingredients. And so what's the opposite of that that is uh, destructive and will make us bad leaders in the future? So the opposite of having the explorer mindset is consistently believing that what worked in the past will work in the future. It's consistently just focusing on what's right in front of you, on doing what you know, on staying in your comfort zone, on picking a single path and going down that path. It's what we see in a lot of organizations today. We don't have 
that explore mindset. So the exact opposite is, um, you know, doing things the way you've always been doing them. And for the mindset of the, the chef, the opposite of that would be, first of all, not understanding that these are the two main ingredients that you have to play with, being purpose-driven and caring in technology. And the opposite of this would also be just focusing purely on technology because we are all so obsessed with automation and with technology and with the pace of change that we ultimately forget that organizations are still about people. Business is still done um, when you go out to lunch with somebody, when you shake somebody's hand, when you look them in the eye. Your business exists because of how you treat people, the experiences that you create for your employees. So as much as we like to think about technology, we need to ultimately remember that business is still about people. Mm-hmm. Okay, understood. Thank you. Well, so then that sets up the mindset piece. And then let's hear about some of the big skills. So the skills I grouped into into five categories, and I'll just go over some of the um, the most popular ones, and you know I can give you a sentence about some of the others. So interestingly enough, the number one skill that these 140 CEOs told me uh, that's going to be most relevant for future leaders is the skill of thinking like a futurist. And basically, thinking like a futurist. So I I play a lot of chess. I'm I'm kind of obsessed with chess. And if anybody's ever played a game of chess, you know that. What separates um, higher level players is their ability to think in terms of scenarios and possibilities. In other words, you don't just make a move on the chessboard and only look at that move. You look at multiple moves. You look at multiple moves that your opponent might make. And you look at how all these things kind of play together. Thinking like a futurist means that you're not seeing around a corner, but you are thinking in terms of possibilities and scenarios so that when one of these other things happen, you're going to be prepared for it. You know, it's a lot of people think, for example, that the role of a futurist is to help predict the future, but that's not true. A futurist helps make sure that people and organizations are not surprised by what the future might bring. And the only way that you can keep from getting surprised is you constantly look at different options and scenarios and possibilities. And so that's the number one skill that CEOs told me is going to be most essential. And it's because things are changing so quickly that you need to be able to constantly um, play around with these different scenarios and options in your head. The second most important skill that came out of this um, was, well, there was a, a quite a bit that were very, very close together on this. So there was a the skill of the coach. And the coach is about the motivating, engaging, and inspiring people, about helping create other people who are more successful than you. And those last two words there are very important, more successful than you. There was the skill of Yoda, uh, and Yoda is all about emotional intelligence, specifically empathy and self-awareness. Interesting. Now, Yoda was really pretty hard on, <laughs> on Luke at times. <laughs> tell, tell, us, tell us more about this empathy and, and Yoda. Yeah. So, it, I mean, as you can probably tell, um, I tried to create these unique personas for these different mindsets and skills. And so I was really struggling trying to figure out what represents emotional intelligence, specifically empathy and self-awareness. Ultimately, I thought that Yoda um, was, I mean, many people consider him to be the most emotionally intelligent character who's ever been created because he's always giving advice to Luke about, uh, you know, about emotions and feelings and getting in touch with himself. And so I thought that Yoda would be a very good representation of emotional intelligence. And, um, and you know, I had a little bit of fun with it. So that's why I went with Yoda on that one. Okay, go ahead. 
And then, so the last two are the skill of the uh, technology teenager. And technology teenager just means you're tech savvy and that you are digitally fluent. It doesn't mean you need to be a coder. It doesn't mean you need to know how to build things. It just means to know, it just means that you as a leader need to understand what are these different technologies that are out there and what are the potential implications they might have on your business and on your company. And I'm amazed how many times from a lot of these leaders that I was um, speaking with, when these technology questions came up, uh, many of them would say, oh, you know, the IT handles that, you know, you know, I got to talk to my CTO about that. But in the future, that's not going to be good enough. You as a leader need to be aware of what's happening in the realm of technology and, and what these potential implications might have. And the last skill was the skill of the translator, which went down to uh, listening and communication, which have been timeless. But at the same time, these are also the two skills that are changing more than ever because we have so many different channels at our disposal that allow us to listen and communicate in different ways. I mean, there's just a lot happening in that space. Uh, so those are some of the most important skills for future leaders. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I'd love to get your view in terms of the translator, the listening and the communicating. So there's a bunch of channels. What should we do to build those skills and in specific the translator skill and be excellent at that listening and communicating? So there have been a lot of um, really good studies that have been done on this. So Zenger Folkman is a research firm, and they they put together a list of a, a series of six steps. And, and I don't remember all of them off the top of my head in order. These included things like, um, you know, first, just paying attention to somebody that, you know, if you're listening to them, it looked at things like creating psychological safety, how to create a collaborative conversation with somebody instead of just letting somebody else talk. Uh, focusing on your body language, putting away any distractions. So this is some of the in-person in stuff. Um, but if you think about it, there's a there's a very big difference between listening and hearing. And I think a lot of us are very used to this act of hearing. You, I mean, you go into a meeting, you go into a performance review. In fact, uh, somebody very close to me um, a couple of years ago, she went to a performance review and the lady was simultaneously running a meeting while she was trying to give this person a performance review. Wow. <laughs> it's because we're, we're very focused on this hearing aspect. And hearing, by the way, is just the unconscious act of letting sound enter your ear. Listening is about really putting the conscious time and effort and attention into something. And you can imagine as a leader, if somebody comes to you wanting to have a conversation with you and the person who comes to you perceives that you are not truly listening to them, the repercussions of that are going to be damaging. So as a leader, it is essential for you to understand the difference between listening and hearing and to make sure that when you are having um, dialogue, when you are engaging with your people, with your coworkers, with your peers, that they genuinely feel like you are putting in the time and effort and attention and trying to understand what it is that they're telling you. And same thing for communication. One CEO that I interviewed, um, he's the CEO of a company called Tokyo Maine. I think he has around 32,000 employees. His name is Nick Nagano. And he was telling me that on average, an employee might only see or hear him live 20 minutes a year, okay? Because he has a massive workforce. So during that 20 minutes, when um, he gets to be face-to-face -face with a particular employee, he said, I better make sure 
that whatever I'm trying to get across comes across. And whether you are texting somebody, emailing somebody, having an in-person conversation, um, presenting in a meeting, using something like Slack internally, whatever it is, as a leader and just as an employee, as anybody, you need to make sure that your message gets across regardless of the channel that you're using. And we've also experienced this, right? I mean, how many times have people listening to this, have you gotten an email from somebody that looked like a letter that should be written to a therapist? Uh, how many times has somebody on your team sent you a text that's like five paragraphs long and they're asking you for a project update? And then you got to sit there and respond and write a white paper with your thumbs. You need to understand the channels that you have at your disposal and how to best get your message across during those channels um, or on those channels. Which means if you're going to have a serious conversation with somebody about promoting them or firing them, you know, don't send them like a frowny emoji or a happy face. You need to understand how these different um, uh, platforms out there can be used to make sure that your message gets across. Okay, thank you. I also want to get a sense of with your LinkedIn study with those 14,000 professionals, mm -hmm. what did you discover there? So there were a lot of really interesting insights from this. Um, so from these 14,000 employees, we actually broke things up by seniority level. And so in this survey, we looked at individual contributors on mid-level uh, leaders and on senior level leaders. And what's really crazy is that when we compared these responses, we found massive, massive gaps. So imagine you're, you're a mid or senior level leader in your company. And I would ask you, how well are you practicing these skills and mindsets um, today? A lot of leaders would say, you know, we're doing pretty good. Right? We're, we're not amazing, but, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. Like 60, 70% of them were in the reasonably well or very well category. And so I thought, okay, that's pretty good. You know, they're self-assessing themselves on, on being uh, pretty adept at these things. And then I would ask the people who work for these leaders. I would say, how well do you think your leaders are practicing these skills and mindsets? And they had the exact opposite story. So if 70% of leaders say that they are doing reasonably well or very well, 70% of people who work for these leaders would say that they're not doing well or they're doing just somewhat well. So it was almost a complete 180 in responses between the leaders versus people who work for these leaders. And this is a bit scary uh, because it speaks to a lot of the common, um, common things that we keep hearing about, right? The, and by the way, the more senior you become, I found that the more disconnected you become. In other words, the, the bigger this gap becomes between you and everybody else. And perception is reality. So if you're a leader... And you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, you know what? I'm practicing the explorer, the futurist, the tech teenager. Like, I'm good. If the people who work for you say you're not, then you're not. This is one of those things where like, as a leader, it doesn't necessarily matter how you evaluate yourself. It's how the people who work for you evaluate you. It's how your peers evaluate for you. So then I guess from all of this, you know, I'd love it if you could share, you know, sort of what are some kind of basic, like absolutely critical prescriptions you'd write for us in terms of everyday actions, behaviors that professionals should be taking? Maybe some things that we need to start doing, some things we need to stop doing, some things we need to make sure we continue doing so that we're in great shape. Sure. So for starters, let me ask you this. I'm very curious to hear what, what you think. What do you think the average age is 
for somebody who enters a leadership development program at a company? Oh, I think I know that it's atrociously high because companies underinvest in them. So it is, it is atrociously high. You are correct. So uh, let's just say 46. You're actually very close. It is in the mid 40s in a lot of organizations. For 46 years old, I'm not saying you're atrociously old. I'm just saying that, you know, yeah, yeah, good, we good should start <laughs> developing leaders earlier than, you know, halfway into their career. Yep. Yeah. And so if you think about that, that number is just mind bogglingly insane because most people inside of organizations actually become leaders in their 20s in some form, in some capacity. And so what this means is that a lot of people inside of organizations go almost 20 years, right? Two decades without having any formal leadership training or development, yet they are responsible for others. And the reason why we don't do this is because we all subscribe to the traditional climbing the corporate ladder mentality. In other words, we will teach you how to become a leader after you're at the company for 10 years, 15 years, after you've ascended the ranks. And that is a completely outdated way of thinking about leadership inside of an organization. I mean, everybody needs to know these skills and mindsets, whether you've been at the company for three days or 30 years. So that's the first thing we need to do is start these things early. The second thing that we need to do, and I was also very surprised to learn this, the hardest question for CEOs to answer, and the question around that was, how do you define a leader and leadership? And if you think about it, and for those of you listening, think about how you would define that. You know, for, imagine uh, somebody comes from another planet and they have no idea about the concept of leader or leadership. How would you explain it to them? And it's what I realized, it's, it's sort of like trying to explain and define water to somebody who's never seen it. I mean, you can't say it's a clear, tasteless liquid because lots of liquids fall into that category. We don't define water because we all, you know, we all know what water is. We all know what air is. So we don't actually really have to explain it. And so what I realized is that we are surrounded by leadership in some capacity every day, many times a day. You see and experience leadership in some form everywhere you go. And because of that, we all assume that we know what good leadership is and what bad leadership is. But the problem is that because we as leaders don't actually define this, it means our organizations don't define this. And if our organizations don't define this, then we don't have the right filters in place that we use to promote leaders. So this is why it's so crucial for leaders to really take a step back and to first define and explain what is leadership, and who is a leader at your company. Because once you do that, then you're going to have the filters in place so that only people who match those filters and those criteria will get into those leadership positions. So that's another thing that I think we need to do is to really take a step back and just define those things. Uh, another important aspect and something that we don't do enough of is we need to look at ourselves today. And this, I was trying to figure out how to actually do this. And so I, I created an assessment and it, it's in the book and it's online. Uh, people can go to a future leader survey um, if you're interested in taking it. And it basically looks at how well are you practicing these skills and mindsets today? And, you know, as bonus points, send this to your team members and ask them to evaluate you. So really take a step back and ask yourself, how well are you practicing these skills and mindsets today? Another crucial aspect of this is we actually need to practice these things. 
And when I say practice these things, if you do, if you improve 1% a day, by the end of the year, you will be 37 times better. So 1% a day. These are small things. This means, um, you know, next time somebody comes into your office and they're panicking and freaking out and they want to have a conversation with you, instead of just responding, take a deep breath for 10 seconds. Try to put yourself in their perspective, in their shoes, practice empathy, that emotional intelligence component, and then respond. These aren't complicated, insane things that I'm asking people to do. I just want everybody to improve 1% a day. And by the end of the year, you will be 37 times more effective, 37 times better. And maybe one more piece of advice I'll give. The visual, the image that I give in the book, and this is what's on the cover of, uh, of The Future Leader, is an image of a lighthouse. And the whole purpose of a lighthouse is to guide mariners and explorers um, to help them find their way home and to help make sure that they can reach their destination safely. A lighthouse is useless if there are no ships in the water. So as a leader, you need to build yourself up to become this lighthouse, but you also need to remember that you have to shine your light onto others and onto this sea of uncertainty that we're all a part of. Because if you just do this for yourself and you're not guiding the ships, then ultimately a lot of the work that you're doing has no meaning. So you have to remember to guide others. Um, so I'd say those are, are some of the best pieces of advice I can give. All right. Well, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before you share some of your favorite things. Oh, man. Um, I think that there is tremendous opportunity. And from the research, from all the, the work that was done for this, it's very clear that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like there are no good leaders out there. There are a lot. There are a lot of wonderful leaders out there. The problem is we don't have enough of them. And so I don't want this to sound like it's doom and gloom. You know, we don't have any good leaders out there. Everything's, you know, terrible. That's not the case. I want to paint this as a, a picture of opportunity. I think there's so much potential for us as individuals, for leaders out there to do better. And I want people to just visualize and understand the impact that it would have if leaders around the world practice these skills and mindsets. All right, thank you. Now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? When I was younger, my, my dad always used to say, be a leader, not a follower. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I'd probably, I'm going to be selfish on this one. and I'm going to go with the one that, that I did for this book, um, just because I'm very proud of it. And it was probably the hardest piece of research that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite book? A favorite book. I'm a big fan of science fiction. So one of my favorite books is actually a series of books by Isaac Asimov. Um, it's the Foundation series and also uh, iRobot. Um, I also really liked Ender's Game and Ready Player One was a good book, uh, but a terrible movie. Okay. And a favorite tool, something you used to be awesome at your job? It's not a tool in the sense of like a piece of software or an actual tool, but one of the things that I always try to do with my team is I always ask them what I could do better. I was asking them to be very transparent and open with me. And so I think that's a very, very useful tool. Mm -hmm. And a favorite habit? I play a lot of chess. <laughs> so I'm always doing chess puzzles and um, you know watching chess games and stuff like that. So that's uh, something, a favorite of mine. And a favorite nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you often? Well, maybe one. I always say that if you don't think about and plan for the future of work, then you and your organization are not going to have a future. So really what that means is 
you have to take things into your own hands. Don't wait for the future to happen to you. The future is something that you build and shape and create and design, and you got to be a more active participant in it. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch with you, where would you point them? So I'm pretty easy to find. My website is thefutureorganization.com. And for anybody interested in the book, you can just go to getfutureleaderbook.com. Mm-hmm. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, it's to be 1% better a day. Ask yourself, what can you do to be just 1% better a day? What small improvement and tweak can you make? All right. Jacob, thank you. And I wish you lots of luck as you become a future leader. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I was really struck by Jacob's take about getting 1% better every day. And I've heard that before, but I guess I've been hearing it from a lot of places all at once. Uh, Another podcast I like, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, uh, was talking about this British cycling team, how they dug in and worked on improving tiny things to get a little bit better all the time in terms of like finding a better pillow so you could rest better and took this cycling team from, you know, losing a lot to winning all the time. And then later learned that was taken from the first chapter of James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. I hope to get James on the show in the months to come, but it's just been connecting and resonating. And as I'm digging in, I'm starting to see some cool benefits. My audio folks, (laughs) I've been really getting up in their business to tie some themes together associated with don't abdicate it. Oh, that's IT's job but have some knowledge and we're collaboratively doing some stuff. And I think you'll be hearing some sound improvements in the weeks ahead. Please give me your feedback. Let me know what you're thinking because I'm excited to have a show. If it sounds 1% better or 8% better, I'm thinking, I think we can get it maybe 8 eight to 12% better sound possibly. Then uh, that's a better experience for you and it's a better experience for me and you're more likely to share it with people and you're less likely to stop listening because your ears are tired and uh, it's not as pleasant of a sound. You get the idea. It's a little thing when we zero in on, are we studying the levels correctly? Are we looking at sort of every bit of processing we do and does that diminish sort of the natural sound and create an artificial processing in every way? Like what's the exact fine tuning, you know, settings? Anywho, that's really been resonating as an idea. So I love the 80-20 rule. 80% of your results come from 20% of your inputs. So go after the huge things that are massively more important. Yes, that's true. Also, when you can aggregate lots of tiny things that really do build up, stack on to each other and compound, things get really impressive in terms of 1% better every day for a year. It means you're 37, 38 times better after the year. And 1% worse means you're like 30 plus times worse at the end of the year at 1% worse a day. So that's been connecting for me. And a great advice if you want to be a strong leader for the future is work on compounding your skills. I'm so glad you do that with us, listening to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. And again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F539. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe to catch our next guest. We've got Atta Tarki. And he's got some perspective on how to make optimal selections of you, an employee, for what's a great workplace you'd want to work at, and for the employer, uh, what's a great employee that uh, you want to hire. And he has some new stuff I've never heard before. So I find that exciting. I think you will too. So I hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. 
first, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.